Marlene. Uh, since I'm a child, I'm completely obsessed with one question, which is what is reality? And I think from the beginning, I knew that what reality is, is just an interpretation of the real. When I was a child, I was drawing all the time. And I know that that's where I discovered that imagination opened new eyes. In fact, if you imagine something, it changes the way you perceive what is reality. I'm completely dyslexic, so I discovered that one day when I heard uh, a teacher of mine who said, there is no smoke without fire, and I thought, well, <laughs> there is no fire without smoke. And that's, in fact, the interest of knowing that being dyslexic is not only putting the world upside down, it's also understanding that truth is, in fact, just another, is a proto-truth. There is always another truth, which is almost the reverse. So... That's where I started to understand that probably vision creates reality and not reality, not the reverse. It's time maybe for, for us to reverse the saying from St. Thomas, which is, I only uh, believe what I see. In fact, we know it's false. People don't see what they don't believe. Uh, if they don't believe in climate change, for example, they won't, they won't see it. So... What I'm, what I'm thinking is that we just we have to see first and then create next. The future we imagine for me is, is, is really uh, the cause of the present, I think. And that's what I wanted to believe when I was a child. But now we know it's true. We know that physics has proven it. The future as we imagine it is the cause of the present. So who I am is uh, I'm, I'm passionate by those questions. And I made my passion became my job, in fact. It's helping people build a creative agency, as we say, which is the capacity to uh, see and think differently and continually and purposefully Um, change the way they make meaning of the world. So I'll uh, say a word about Jean-Louis and I as, as a team. We have been working together for the past uh, 20 years plus, <laughs> as we say. And uh, we used a baseline to describe what we do, which is shifts in minds for shifts in action, just to indicate that we are fascinated by the way uh, we make decisions based on our perceptions which themselves are, in fact, uh, a representation or a creative construction of reality. In fact, it's not a creative reconstruction. It might be a very non-creative reconstruction sometimes, which means that our perceptions might be what we call maps of the world, and those maps are not always very creative. But they are stories we tell ourselves, and those stories uh, lead to decisions. And we know that 90% of decisions' mistakes are due to mistake in perceptions. That's where we started to think that maybe we have to build the future on better decisions based on expanded perspectives rather than just see the surface of things. And that's what we have been dedicating our lives for the past 20 years plus. It's having conversations with people who help them make deep changes in the way they see and think uh, and uh, work on the art of reperception, as we say, which is change the way they see. I would say four movements, basically, the way they see and be able to see with fresh eyes rather than just uh, download all their bits of thoughts, the way they sense and uh, are able to detect things that are unfamiliar, needs that are new, see things from the field. The third movement is the way they seize things creatively. What do they do? What, how do they create something original and pertinent from what they have 
seen and sensed. And this is where creativity as such is, is all about. And then uh, the way they shape. So how do they transform those ideas into something else? So this is about um, our ideas that word themselves have to be revisited. Like innovation seems to be, a, I wouldn't say a bullshit word, but it's a word so much used nowadays that we have to be careful that we don't make a misuse of this word and make more of the same within the same paradigm. So we used to be in innovation and creative thinking, and creative thinking is the basic of innovation. Without creative thinking, there is nothing uh, such as innovation. So we moved conversation together, Jean-Louis and I, towards something else, which I, I'll tell you about in a minute, which is shapership. So how to think differently. I would say that first, we have to understand that life is a multitude of experience and events that we live and to which we give meaning. It's just easy to understand that we can both live the same event or fact and give a completely different meaning to it. I can see somebody smile to me in the street, understand it's an insult or it's a, just a, a way to say hello. And so this interpretation is uh, the way we give meaning to events. It means that it, it's, a, it's a story, it's an interpretation we create. And by creating stories, we can say that those stories shape our lives. They shape our sense of identity. They shape what we believe we are. They shape uh, our sense of possibility, which is a major point. They shape the way we perceive our future. So that's where we can say that uh, this is the core of what, what I believe is that the, the future we imagine is the cause of the present. It leads to decision we make right now. A five-year-old boy or girl could tell us today what decisions they think they will make for their life according to the future they imagine or the non-future they imagine. I'll come back to that. The idea is that the key of, of the way we make meaning is, is the way we look at things and the way we look at things changes our experience of reality. So we believe... Um, that there, there, there is. In, if we, if we, if you take the image of an iceberg, there is below the surface something that we can call the worldviews, and the worldviews, our maps, might lead us to contribute to the creation of a certain reality outside. Now I can say a mad land or a nomad land. So we we create a world which is going to lead to massive assured destruction or a world which is completely different. So we are not outside of the picture. The way we think contributes to maintain a system and the stability of a system or to shift it. Each of us, depending on the way we see the world and our vision and perceptions, we make decisions every day to take an espresso coffee, <laughs> to go to the barn or the farm or whatever, or to go to a normal supermarket. And each of these decisions each point of view shaped the future in a certain way. So the idea is that we can uh, have the we have the power to change our reality if we consider that reality is the microcosm between our ears. It's our perceptions. So changing our reality, we have the power. I don't know if we use this word in English. We would say the agency. We have the creative agency. We can change the stories we tell ourselves, so we can change the way we shape the world. And how? First, there is what Jean-Louis has invented, the altitude attitude, which is the capacity to look at the way we look at things. So in our mind, to make 
uh, to, as we say, map our maps. We understand, all of us, that the map is not the territory, of course, but the mental map is the way we shape the territory. So we can make visible our mental maps, which has an effect. What seems so familiar starts to seem very strange. <laughs> and our routine, our habits are suddenly strange. And the idea is to make them completely strange, to recreate and regenerate completely our maps. The second point is this ability to think about the way we think. It might seem completely stupid, but we usually recruit other people to tell us what is right or wrong. Whereas I think that as a child, what we would benefit from learning is to think about the way we think so we could really choose a way to approach something and understand that this choice uh, is just one possible choice and that our what we call our truth are in fact just temporary truth, temporary perceptions, and that creates a lot of freedom. So mapping the maps, think about the way we think, and I would say that the, the, the third point I'm going to elaborate a bit more is on creative thinking. There is a creative thinking imperative, which is the necessity to just get out of standard answers to problems which are not standard. I heard the other day somebody say something that Jean-Louis told, told me a few years ago. If you think about a situation like the COVID, let's say, to make it clear, we call it a crisis. Well, let's imagine that you have, uh, we're just after New Year, so imagine you drank a bit too much. You might have a liver crisis. Now, you know there is a standard remedy to go back to the known situation. I'm not going to tell the remedy because I think that everybody knows. But if you have a liver condition, uh, you just have to change your life. Now, are we in a crisis, which is, which supposes that with standard remedy, we will go back to the known situation? Or are we in a rupture or in a uh, sort of a new condition, which means that we have to think boldly and create something completely new? And creative thinking, in fact, is about making the hypothesis that we need new ways, new answers. We need to think not in incremental way, but in revolutionary ways to make a complete reconstruction of the way we think and to start to apply what Buckminster Fuller says. To change a system, you don't have to fight against the system. You create a new model which makes the previous one obsolete. So it's not a solution we are looking for. It's a dissolution. <laughs> so... There are a few things that might help to think creatively or meet the creative thinking imperative. One is escape critical thinking, which is so easy. It's easier to destroy, to destroy somebody else's idea than to create a new one. So that's one point. Escape realism, uh, rational realism and blindness. As we say, some, some people use reality as an excuse for not trying. There is always a reason for not trying. The second point is to escape linear logic and usual way we put things in boxes. The boxes are old categories and, uh, for example, in university, old categories of knowledge, but life outside doesn't fit those categories. It's just our way of putting things into certain known representation and um, that leads us to confirm the known. <laughs> and uh, certainly to be blind to a, a lot of things. So that's what we call the problem of perception and of uh, well, feeling that we are intelligent because we know the answer. We are so much under pressure. And there is what we call in our map, the one right answer saloon, which is 
opposed to the 2020 Vision Cafe, to say something like that, we, some people are completely locked into one, one, one right answer saloon. The third is the prison of repetition. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's, we need to escape this idea that we uh, function in what we call SOS, the same old solution all the time. The fourth is adversarial thinking. I think that we we function a lot, and especially nowadays, I don't know if you've seen this pressure to just argue. And uh, some people just, there is a movie about COVID and everybody is, is against or for, and we need to choose a camp. So it's always adversarial. It's about position. I'm white, I'm black, I'm left wing, I'm right wing, whatever. It's just about taking position more, more and more. And position is not about exploration. It's a position you defend it, an exploration you enter into a new territory, which is unknown, and you might change your mind and adopt a new perspective. So this is about parallel thinking, replacing adversarial thinking, and it's about water logic rather than rock logic. Rock logic, and you understand the term. The fifth aspect of a creative thinking imperative is the use we make of emotions. I would say that it's not because we feel something that it is true. <laughs> we, 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 we misuse it. The, the intuition, for example, has a, val- has a validity as such, but intuition is not the truth. An a priori, for example, all blacks are such, all Jews are such, or whatever the a priori is. An a priori is not the truth. It's just uh, something we believe, and sometimes we want to demonstrate before thinking it's already there, and uh, tend to come back to that. So we propose a priori reflection pool. <laughs> just think about it. And also validate the idea that there are other sources of knowing that are valid as such such as intuition or inspiration, they have to be taken as such for uh, an ingredient. Uh, I go quite fast into it. Then there is something about creativity, which is the essence of it. It's the capacity to think conceptually. You know that in, 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 especially in Belgium, people say uh, concretely. So what do you mean concretely? And the concrete is the the result of our own limitations. We have to be able to make a jump into abstraction and move up to concepts. There is a saying which says, vision without action is an awakened dream, but action without vision is a nightmare. So many people, in fact, are in the nightmare because they have four solutions instead of more. Challenge, the capacity to challenge belongs to the creative imperative. Imagine you are in a corridor and this corridor is your habitual thinking and you don't see the side roads. We need to be able to understand that we only function with dominant ideas. For instance, one is growth, the story of scarcity, competition, profit, performance. This is a story which is dominating our times. Now, we need to understand those stories and routine thinking and, as I said earlier, make them exotic. (laughs) See that they are not the truth. They are just a habit and just an idea. And I have three more. Hope, very quickly. It's interesting to live in a world where uh, hope exists. So there is something called a deep aspiration within each of us. It's time to just connect again to that and make it part of our thinking about the future. Another thing which belongs to our world is to stop to see a tree without understanding that there are roots. And the roots for each of us are interesting because they are the main part of what we see at the surface. Now, if we imagine that 
everything that exists today has its roots. We're not saying it's good or bad, but it's interesting to understand where it comes from, even if it's not something we want. And the last thing I want to say is that we need to give up the myth, the myth of control. Now, I'm not talking specifically for COVID, but imagine you're going to ski and you are at the top of the mountain. You need to love gravity. But we need to love gravity and love to enjoy the fact that this world is not something that is under our control so that we can start to navigate into that. So that's what I want to say it's about the, the, the idea that this thinking behind Everything we do is about the art of reperception, the idea that we can see without knowing, the idea that we can listen without downloading, the idea that we can explore without knowing and judging, and we can detect opportunities and see hope versus focus on risk and speak for the problems all the time. In this sense, thinking differently is resisting. It's, it's resisting stupidity. It's resisting the... The, the, the fact that everybody seems to have an opinion without knowing anything or facts, it's resisting the idea that the future will be the same as the present, which is uh, very much something we'll talk about it later. And um, it's about freedom, shapership. In fact, Jean-Louis invented this word, shapership, because we were a bit fed up with uh, entrepreneurship leadership as the only way to move forward in this world. And uh, obviously, shapership is a contraction of the verb to shape, which is uh, give shape uh, to reality or to something. And ship, which is connected uh, to a word I like, which is craftsmanship, for instance. And so a ship is a particular competence in a certain field. So shapership is the art of making alternative future visible, desirable, and actionable. It's the art of shaping the future. And we started to think about people who have changed the world without being entrepreneurs or leaders. And we found some, of course. Uh, think about, uh, if I say Martin Luther King, uh, everybody says, well, you know, it did not succeed to him because he was killed. No, no. There are people who changed the world in certain areas, justice, uh, social justice, education, whatever. And those people, they were not leaders nor entrepreneurs. So we started to look at them and look at the way they look at the world because it's our angle. And if I tell you that the cover of a, the first edition of our book was this sentence, which is, the eye only sees what the brain is ready to understand. So you see what it means. It's all about a way to look at the world as it is, and to see that what is, is not really enough, or for some people it's the middle age, indeed it needs to be challenged. And to look at what could be, which is invisible, and to make it visible. So we started to study, it's a, it's a big word, to study or to Look at the way many people have looked at the at reality in creative ways, unconventional ways, we say. And we came to something which is absolutely simple. It's simple to the max. <laughs> Those people we call shapers have existed all over the world. I can give you some names after, but the, the idea is that those people changed the world because they did something which is the DNA of shapership, as we say. First, they look at, those, at, at, at reality, square in the face. They look at the way things are and they say a big no and oh, no 
and we called it the creative resistance, which means they see things as they are and they understand that those things are based on a series of ideas, dominant ideas, um, conventional ideas, and they say this cannot stay the way it is. Um, For instance, Dr. V in India is an ophthalmic surgeon. At 55, he's retired and he looks at his country, India, And he sees that 12 million people are losing sight because of lack of preventive eye care. And looking at that, he says a big no. So that's the first step, creative resistance. Then, of course, it would be sad to stay there. It would just generate despair. So the second aspect and the second point of the DNA of shapership is the big yes. Those people, they say a big yes. They unlock their imagination and they dare to say something which is the I have a dream from Martin Luther King. So for instance, Dr. V says something which is, you will you will hear it, it's really a few words. He says, I'm going to eliminate needless blindness. And everybody says he's crazy. Of course, because what they do is that they create a hole in the prison of the representations that we have about what is possible and what is impossible. They think about something which seems impossible for others, and then they say, I'm going to do that. And this transformative vision is the second second point. It's the ability to just pioneer some possible path into the future, which is transformative and is answering the hope of millions or sometimes just a few people, at least it is just saying, I have a dream, I have a utopia, I see something which which is beyond, completely beyond the representation, and I'm formulating it, and it becomes a cause for, for the person who says it and for the other. So Dr. V is there, he says a big no to, to the, the fact that people, people are losing sight, he says, I'm going to eliminate needless blindness, and then he moves to the third point, the third leverage of shapership, which is anticipative experimentation, which is the creative how. Once you know, when, once you have a transformative vision, you need transformative action. So what do shapers? They completely reinvent life as it is. They reinvent justice, they reinvent health, they reinvent something so that they create a coalition of actors that are completely uh, align, aligned to make the transformative vision a reality. Dr. V, for instance, moves into the rural area in India, connects with women, uh, gives them uh, an education to make early diagnosis of eye problems. He unites medicine, telemedicine centers. When people need to be operated, they are too poor to come to the hospital, so he creates a transportation system. When they arrive, they need to be operated faster than in other hospitals. So they operate seven times faster because they create something uh, to move the operation table. Of course, they are there not to make money, but to eliminate needless blindness. So they innovate to the max. Once they are there, if they need glasses, they must be uh, done just right on the spot. So it creates a glasses factory and then they go back home. And if they are rich or poor, it's the same standard of operation. So if you're rich, you might have access to accommodation and you know you pay for two poor. After 30 years, the Aravin Eye Care Hospital has been leveraged to a level where they say we are going to eliminate needless blindness in the world. They are recognized as the best eye care hospital in the world. And you know what? (laughs) It's because 
they have a big yes, which is the axis around which their whole system is centered. They are there for one reason. So we have studied many, many people around this idea of shapership and the do's and don'ts of shapership. We might talk about that too. The fact is that those people, in, in, in a way, they pioneer something which is a new paradigm in their field because they dare to completely think differently and escape the prison of what we call representations. Just think about the way things are and look at that with fresh eyes, then completely open to something which is transformative before knowing how they are going to make it. Sometimes we mix both and we start to think about the way we are going to transition or do something without knowing where we are. So the shapers make it more radical. And this is a way to think radical. After the book, we had some echoes, which I'm going to talk about later, and which led us to create the shapership activities and uh, academy. You may have a problem with the direction the world is taking right now. What do we see happening outside? The world out there seems to be going crazy. What is happening in the world today is similar to the metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly. A voracious, destructive civilization breaking down and the potential birth of a new viable civilization for the future. Confronted with all that, you can look at the situation in two very different ways. Either you consider this falling apart as apocalypse now, the end of the world, and this might lead you to feelings such as fear, despair, cynicism, even to violence. Some people, especially young people, live what we call a nostalgia of the future, which is a uh, a bit a reverse of nostalgia normally is the poetic awareness of the past, but what they live is a poetic awareness <laughs> of a future forever gone. And another possibility, a completely different point of view looking at the situation is no apocalypse, not now. And rather than focusing on a dying world, you can adopt the attitude of an imaginal cell, which in fact are uh, inside the body of the caterpillar but they don't panic at all because they see a more beautiful world as possible and they are too busy building the future they have in mind. So apocalypse now or no apocalypse not now. The key rests in the way you look at the world. So that's, in other words, the future you imagine is the cause of the present. Now, what's the problem? We are currently going through a colossal crisis of imagination. Jonathan Crary says that an entire generation and in fact the entire world has lost their capacity to dream, which means that our inability to imagine a future that is different from the present is catastrophic. Without imagination, hope vanishes. We are locked into regression forces such as fear, despair, cynicism, and all the things we mentioned, plus the repetition, the endless repetition of the same old solutions, which leads us to believe that there is an eternal present and that nothing will change. So we are stuck into worldviews, stories, and things that limit our sense of possibility. We need, at this moment in time, and for a long time, I think we need alternative narratives, as we say, of the future, 
that might resonate with our deepest aspirations and, moreover, provide an actionable guide to a viable human future. When we say human, we mean human within the ecosystem. So that is why we have created the Shippership Academy, which answers the butterfly imperative in a way, which is unlocking imaginal cells. The Academy answers the vital need to move from apocalypse now to no apocalypse not now. And it focuses on the need to boost creative thinking, imagination, and to shift from nostalgia to what we call the erotica of the future. What is erotica of the future? It's the next appeal, not sex appeal, next appeal. It's the irresistible impulse towards the future we want to create. So the Academy, the Shapership Academy, is a real transformative experience in five workshops, which is designed for the people who, call, who we call the purpose-driven people, who maybe like you aspire to create a radically different and desirable future rather than correct the past. It is for those of you who want to build the future on hope and imagination rather than despair and fear. We don't have alumni yet because we've just created the academy. Over the past 20 years plus, we have um, gained valuable experience with companies in making alternative stories of the future visible, desirable and actionable. And our core expertise, Shifts in Mind for Shifts in Action, makes it work successfully. After the publication of our book, Shapership, or The Art of Shaping the, people, the, the Future, people told us we know the future we don't want but we don't know the future. We don't know how to build the future we want. So we decided to create the Shapership Academy so this vital 21st century competence could be learned. In this sense, we designed the Shapership Academy as a, it's a, it's not a joke, but it, it's, a, it's a way of saying it, which is funny. It's a 100% eclectic vehicle to move from Madland Madland being the one which is collapsing, leading to massive assured destruction, and uh, to move from Madland to new territories that we call Nomadland, potentially leading to mutually assured development. What do we propose to do in this Shippership Academy is what we call the Go From Ego to Echo program. So this transformative experience is based on the careful articulation of five two-day workshops, which are crafted to enable you to think big and radically different about the way you see the world and how you want to participate in its transformation for yourselves, your communities, and society as a whole. Our workshops are supposed to be live, interactive, co-creative, and limited to 12 participants. And we use a radically different approach to education. How can you learn the art of shaping the future? Well, the best way to learn how to shape the future is to do it. <laughs> So that's why each workshop is a rehearsal of the future, offering you opportunities to safely transform what and how you think, to learn in the presence of others, as well as to deliberately change the stories that shape your life so you can change the way you shape the world. In fact, the Academy not only provides knowledge, of course we provide knowledge, but we also provide a holistic approach to build the shapership attitude, with shapership attitude, which is an attitude of, as we say, radical authenticity, unconventional wisdom, and creative imagination. So the Shapership Academy is designed 
to create the conditions you need to equip yourself with state-of-the-art creative thinking, forecasting and conversation practices, and especially the conditions you need to learn and practice the mindsets uh, of the future. So you will grow your capacity to consciously try new perspectives, navigate uncertainties, creatively solve dilemmas that might exist between different values, think beyond the horizon of the thinkable, you know, what we like, make the future the cause of the present so that you can deliberately instill the sense of purpose and hope in everything you do. So it's a play on game, but if we say it briefly, the Shippership Academy is a way to become an eye opener, I, in sense of my myself, eye opener, an eye opener, opening the way you look at things, an eye opener, <laughs> and a high opener. <laughs> so the Academy is an opportunity for you to become the shaper of your future. Take it. And if you feel the program can help you, simply get in touch with us. There is no formal application process. Let's have a chat and you certainly want to know more about us as much as we want to know more about you. Thank you.